Hi, I'm Joseph Fink. Jeffrey Craner and I make a lot of things together. Podcasts, novels, live theater, long drives through Los Angeles traffic. But in this show, it is you who makes things, one simple assignment at a time. Welcome to Start With This. Art is hard, starting is hard. If you want to start somewhere, you can start with this. You can start with this. Art often does not fall under what we call nonfiction. Sometimes art is that great opposite, fiction, telling stories that never happened, lying for fun. Sometimes art is expressing something that is abstract from simple ideas like truth or lies. Dance, for instance, might express pure motion. It's not fiction or nonfiction, it's dance. Art might express color and light. These may be true, but are they nonfiction? However, in any kind of art, even in fiction, honesty is important. An audience can feel falseness. Have you ever watched a big high-budget movie that hit all the right beats, but everything about it felt artificial? You could tell what they wanted you to feel in every moment, and so you ended up not feeling those things? That was because that art wasn't honest. Honest art has little to do with whether you are creating something that tells a true story. It is about expressing true feelings and experiences of the world simply and directly to an audience so they can get to know something about you. Not your biography or your name, but something deeper, some basic aspect of your experience as a human being. This might all sound a little high concept, but it can be very helpful in a practical way when creating work. Honest. I'm here with Jeffrey Craner. Let's get started. Hi, Jeffrey. Hi, that's my real name. Hello. Yeah, we we uh, we are not allowed to lie on the show. It's a rule that uh, not a lot of people know. It's a weird legal thing, but it's uh, if we lie on the show, we do get ten years in prison. So. That's right, uh, or throw up. Um, <laughs> um, uh, if you haven't seen Knives Out, go see that. Yes, please. Um, so, Jeffrey, what for you does it mean to be honest in the art you make? That's a, it's a really great question. It's so hard to pinpoint, but I, I think I think in essence that I feel like I'm expressing my true belief when I write something, that I'm expressing my my true belief uh, to the world, whether that's some creed about the way the world should be, or whether that's just honestly depicting the character as I think um, I want them to be depicted. And then on the flip side of that is... I feel like honesty when I'm writing is I'm always trying to consider my listener or my reader, which is to feel like, will they believe this? Will this take them out of the story? I feel like if I'm taking them out of the story because of a plot hole or a you know a violation of character uh, or a belief that is just too mean or too ridiculous to be bought, that to me feels like dishonesty. If, if, if I'm not thinking from both my own core values and also from the point of view of like just making sure I'm keeping the reader in the story. I feel like that's honesty to me. I don't know if I'm veering too far off the definition. Yeah, I, I've kind of broken in this outline I've written out some different aspects of honesty for me. Uh, the first is honesty of feeling, emotional honesty, this idea of trying to be true to how th something would feel, even if it's in a very different context even if you're writing fiction where um, it's a completely different thing, it's an astronaut meeting a, an alien for the first time, you can still find some honest bit of feeling that you had in your life, this moment of meeting somebody that you weren't sure about for the first time, and how did you feel? And really trying to find those honest specifics, 
even maybe unflattering specifics of how you felt in that moment uh, can really make a person come alive. I, I've said this, I think, in a, a other podcasts, but I really do think that art that tries to feel universal tends to feel like nothing. Like if you try to make it, this is how everyone feels. No one feels like everything, so it just feels like nothing. But if you say, this is my specific, honest experience of the world, that can feel very universal. Sometimes the more specific and honest art is, the more universal it can feel. Uh, so yeah, my, I, I guess my first honesty would be honesty of feeling. Honesty of experience is another big one. Um, and this can mean a lot of different things. Um, you know, it can be the specifics of a, a, an experience that you have that you put into your art in some way. It's also thinking about the experience of others. So let's go back to emotional honesty. Let's say you have a situation in which you are pulled over by the police, your character. Let's say your character is pulled over by the police um, and you go back to thinking about a time you were pulled over by the police and trying to replicate those honest feelings. But let's say that you are a white person and your character is a black person. Those honest feelings are not addressing honesty of experience. The experience of being a black person pulled over by the police is just fundamentally different because of many different aspects of culture and history. And so if you just pay attention to the honesty of feeling, you're not being honest with experience. You have to think about what is this other person's experience in the world, and am I being honest to those? Some of that relates to the honesty of your own experience, not from the way you personally experience things, but your own experience of surrounding yourself with different people, of the people who are so different than you, and hearing them and knowing what it is that makes their lives different from your own and being able to use that in your writing. Um, that's where you have to differentiate between the actual thing you experienced in your own life versus the way your character might, who might be different than you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think... Honesty of experience is really just thinking about what is the context of how my character is experiencing this and how does that relate to some honest experience in the world. Um, the third honesty I have here is honesty of fact, and this goes to true storytelling of, of if you say that it's a true story, there is these things of how far you can bend the truth without being dishonest um, before it becomes something else. And then I want to do an episode on deception that talks about using that to your advantage. I, I have seen shows that were at first seemingly honest nonfiction and then lied to us in really interesting and exciting ways. And that can be a technique. Um, but if you're saying that a story is true, it probably should be true. There probably should be an honesty there unless you have a very specific reason why not. Mm -hmm. uh, because you can get in some serious trouble for a lot of different reasons if you start lying in stories that are supposed to be true. I mean, we that's the that's our famous Mike Daisy example, right? Of of the of the Foxconn factories in China that he went to go visit and traveled around and then did a whole live show based on uh these these stories. I went to go see that with at the public with our friend Rob Neal. And uh, while we were there, we saw Ira Glass um, in the audience as well. And then Ira had him on This American Life, had Mike Daisy on, not Rob. But um, he should have Rob on, though. Rob's a fascinating guy. Uh, but he had Mike Daisy on, and Mike Daisy told his story. And as they fact-checked it, they realized that almost none of the actual facts were true. And then there was a lot of think pieces and a lot of argument about, did he at least hit on the truth of the way Foxconn treats its employees? Um, and I think there's a strong argument to be made that he did. Um, but his facts were wrong, and there's a there's a really moral and ethical problem when you make up facts to support what is a general truth. 
Yeah, I mean, this gets into different types of honesty because I do, I do personally kind of buy Mike Daisy's argument that that show was theatrically honest, that it was using theater to express a real problem that exists and real emotions that exist among the workers there. It was not journalistically honest in that he made up a lot of the stories um, to illustrate kind of larger points. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where honesty has a context of like, am I allowed to bend the truth here? If you're writing a memoir or you're like kind of doing creative nonfiction, then then maybe. Maybe you are allowed to bend the truth a little because it's a better story as long as you're not hurting someone else. Um, but if you're writing journalism, uh, probably you shouldn't just conflate different people or or make up things that didn't happen. The last one is a little more abstract, perhaps, but it's just honesty of the current moment, this idea of addressing what is happening while you're making art. This often applies to like live art of just... Uh, you know, we we both have a lot of history with the neo-futurists that work with non-illusionary storytelling, this idea of we're not we're never going to pretend that we're in a different room from you, the audience. We're never gonna pretend that you aren't there, and we're never gonna pretend that the time isn't now. This idea of expressing some honest truth about this very moment and the experiences we're all going through together can be very helpful and grounding for making art of just you know what, I'm not going to worry about whether this art stands the test of time, but I am just going to try to create something right now that expresses something about this exact moment I'm experiencing. It's uh, it's absolutely true. The the idea of when you if you have the luxury as a writer of being able to put your writing in front of other people, especially if you're allowed to perform your own writing, that 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 marriage of thought and action and audience too is is really beautiful. It's it's unlike almost any other form of writing I've ever attempted, which is you know what it is you were trying to say. You've prepared it for yourself, and now you're saying it. And you have an audience there to kind of keep you in check. You you see every look on every face of uh, what level of interest do they have? How much do they believe you? Do they trust you? Do they believe you? And it's it's navigating a conversation only with, in some cases, half a dozen. In some cases, several hundred people. Uh, and I and I think that's that's a that's a really wonderful thing to keep in check with yourself. And you feel more honest once you are talking to a person and looking them in the eye, even if there's hundreds and hundreds of eyes looking at you. But that's an honesty that you have in normal human conversation that you don't have, say, on Twitter. You're going to be more honest and probably respectful to another person if you're face-to-face with them. I don't have this in the outline, but I do have a question for you, which is, I, I feel like we've all encountered art that just felt a little dishonest or a little just false or artificial. What are the things for you that kind of trip that? Uh, I think the biggest example I can use, and not everyone may feel this way about this movie, but I, I think the, the I saw I saw the movie Babel whenever it came out, and I think it was nominated for Best Picture that year, and I I just I hated the movie so much, and uh, and I, I spent a lot of time thinking why I hated it so much because it's it's well executed, and I think I remember describing the movie the moment I left the theater as dishonest, and I was trying to get around why I thought. Like, and I'm still trying to wrap my head around what honesty or dishonesty is in art making. But for me, it, in that movie, and I've seen this done many other art pieces too, which is it puts the visual before the story. It's more beholden to these kind of vague or visual concepts that it has. Uh, it's so important that it is being, as you said earlier, it's so important that it's being universal in its view of the world. It's so important that it has a statement to make. But then it forces all of its characters, all of its decision-making under that specific dome of, of, of its belief of the world. 
And so from the get-go, the visuals that it's setting up just never felt believable to me. It just felt over the top. And it's not to say that any moment could never happen in real life. It was just to say that this all feels completely contrived. It feels like you have created the story only to fit whatever worldview or big picture, whatever monolith you thought you had going into this. And that always felt dishonest to me. It just didn't feel like these characters were real or the decision-making was real at all. Yeah, I mean, I I think we've all had that experience of seeing a thing where a character maybe makes a decision that just doesn't fit that character at all because it's what the plot needed. And as a audience member, you can feel that. You can feel the dishonesty of that, of you've set up this character, but now you're having them act in this way that's nothing like them just because you need someone that's going to secretly tell the police or something, like you need a, a turn code, and so you're just going to have this person betray everyone because you just need a plot twist here. And it doesn't feel like it came out of on any honest sense of character. Um, a big one for me, as I mentioned in the in- intro, is these kind of big box office movies. I think the Marvel movies are all very competently made, but I just, as a for myself, find them kind of exhausting because... Very few of them. There's a few of them that have kind of a point of view, but most of them don't feel at all honest to me. They feel like they feel like a corporation with a lot of money has spent some time figuring out what people like from this type of story. And so they reliably hit those beats. But I never feel like they're expressing anything true about the world or that they're at all related to any experience that the person writing the movie has ever had. Um, it just feels like these two people reuniting in this moment is an emotional beat, so let's make sure it's there. And I can I can feel the flowchart of it, um, and none of it feels honest. And so even though it is competently made and well-acted, I just don't feel anything. Um, and that's where the honesty gap happens. It doesn't matter how well-made it is if there's that empty lack of honesty. Well, you'll notice that so much more in big-budget filmmaking, too. You, you will see this note in um, a lot of reviews of big bigger-budget movies or television, which is, uh, I saw one recently in a review I was reading where they said, uh, they named the, the, the writer of this musical score and they're like, so-and-so score does the heavy lifting for about 30 minutes here. And you realize, oh, that's totally what it is. They're relying on production value. We hear it in pop music too. If you really sift through a song, if you just take some pop songs and you just have somebody come out and play it on a guitar, you're like, these lyrics are terrible. Like this is a hokey song. It's really goofy, but you put it, put enough production value into it, it feels like something you can dance to. Or and, and maybe there's some honesty in that, that maybe people feel like, well, that's what I want. I want Marvel movies to hit the beats of a comic book, or I want a pop song to make me just feel alive for three minutes. It's bubblegum, and I'm fine with that. But I do find that generally dishonest as an artist to rely on so heavily anything other than your characters and your story. This actually leads into this next topic of how how is for you honesty helpful, both for making art and then for the quality of the art that you've made? I mean, I think it just, I want to feel like when I read or watch or listen to something, I want to feel like that person who created it thought of me. Maybe not me, Jeffrey Craner, but I want them, I want to feel like they're thinking of me, the listener. We've talked about this before in the intimacy episode, but sometimes with podcasts, I feel like they're not considering me in the room. It gets too inside jokey or the even in fiction podcasts, they're they're so heavily acting at one another that I just feel like I don't feel like you're checking in with me. So for me, uh, the honesty as a writer, especially working in theater and podcasting, for me, it's just remembering that the audience is there. Like that's where it's super, super helpful for me. Yeah, because it's a reminder that it's a reminder that you have a responsibility to these 
to this other person. That that art is ultimately, if you are putting it out in public, art is a conversation. And this is you saying something to someone else. Um, and so you don't want to express something that everyone's going to relate to because that's impossible. You just need to be like, this is a person I want to talk to with this. So I'm just going to try to reach you with this. I also feel like it helps a lot with the quality of the art in terms of, uh, uh, well, a lot, number of ways. It helps make it feel real and grounded. If I can get a sense that there is honest experience and honest feeling in it, it doesn't matter. You know, I love horror movies. I watch so many of them. You know, most of us have not experienced a ghost climbing out of our television or a killer clown um, haunting us our whole lives. But those kind of stories can end up feeling very visceral and real if they are expressing some intangible aspect of a true experience. If, okay, I don't have a clown in my hometown waiting to murder me, but I, if I do have the sense of like, there's things about going home that feel uncomfortable and there's maybe memories here I don't want to touch and these like silences of things I don't want to talk about about the past. And if it feels like those scary scenes, however ridiculous, are expressing those real painful, spiky human experiences, they can feel very honest and grounded no matter where they go plot-wise. Yeah, when it, it's so much about self-awareness, right? Like when you talked earlier about the example of if you're a white person, you get pulled over for a ticket and you write a character who's a black person who gets pulled over to get a ticket, you can't have that character respond in the same way that you would have in a normal, in the same situation uh, as a white person. And uh, because you are not, you're not being self-analytical, you're not looking deep within yourself and within your characters, which are an extension of yourself. And uh, and I think that's the same thing, the, the murderous clown in your hometown. Um, I think as you write the book, I think Maybe Stephen King is an, is an exception because he was so coked up when he wrote that, or you could say that, <laughs> or you could say the Beatles were so high on LSD when they wrote a lot of their music. But, but for the most part, you normal, usual writer with usual habits, not taking illicit drugs, writing a thing as a craft. I, I think you have to be sort of aware of like, what does my horror represent? What does my sci-fi represent? What am I trying to say here? Like, let's make sure that I don't have evil clown that represents misogyny. And then I, at the same time, have mis, you know mistreat my female characters by not giving them agency or awareness. You know, let's let's make sure that I'm thinking through all of the process of whatever metaphor that I'm building. The last thing I'll say for how honesty is helpful, I think, is it can it can really help keep stakes high. You know, I think a lot of art makes the mistake of thinking that stakes have an objectiveness to them, um, and that's why you end up with so many things where the world's going to end. Because it's for a lot of writers or filmmakers or artists or whatever, they just are like, what's the biggest stake? I guess the world or the universe or whatever. So that's the stake, and then that'll make the stakes feel big. But I feel like so many of us have had the experience of watching um, a TV show or reading a book or watching a movie where the world was going to end and not really feeling much about it. Because the truth is, that doesn't make the stakes bigger. What makes the stakes bigger is some sense that there's honest human experience on the line. I think about, there's a show I really love that I won't uh, give the name of because this will spoil something from it. Uh, but there's a show I really love in which uh, there's a season-ending scene in which this woman has spent this entire season building up this company and she really cares about it. And maybe she's not making the right choices all the time business-wise, but she just is putting her heart and soul in it. Um, but her friends can see that she's not making business choice, the right business choices and, and that ultimately she's going to run this company into the ground no matter how much she cares about it. And there's this scene where they are board members in her 
company and they one by one vote to remove her from the company. And it's just such a profoundly horrifying and moving scene to have her watch her friends betray her and take away this thing that she cares about more than anything. And ultimately, it's a board meeting in which the board votes to remove the CEO, and that's what's happening. But it is just, I, I had a pit in my stomach watching that scene. I I felt it so much more than I felt most world. And I'm getting emotional just talking about the scene is making me emotional. And it's because there was a real honest human stake. I felt what she was feeling, and I also felt what the friends were feeling, where you're like, I understand why she doesn't want us to do this, but at the same time, this is the only decision we can make. And so because you could understand the human experience on both sides, the stakes in that scene just felt bigger than than most shows I'd ever seen. See, I never really liked Seinfeld that much. <laughs> I um, Yeah, I think a great example of this is, and I know a lot of people don't love this movie, and it has a, so many problems to it, but I think a great example of this is like Lost in Translation. There's nothing at stake here. There's like a really disillusioned older married man who meets a person that he just, I don't know, he's missing something in his life and he's just missing connection and he connects with somebody. And I remember watching that movie feeling very sad. It just felt sad. And there's nothing at stake there really other than like, I just hope they get a chance to be like, that is really great running into you. They just both have sad lives and they have a few nights together, but we all, at least I do very much relate to like those younger days of just like really hoping the person you kind of like likes you back in some way and that they return your text or call. Uh, and I, I think the stakes in general, just like the show that you mentioned is really the climax here is the stakes are there's a board meeting and they have a vote, which is one of the most boring things to witness in person. The same thing, which is it's it's very boring to think about like, Middle-aged dude just meets a person, needs well, some kind of connection, and nothing really happens. They uh, they don't get married. They 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 don't do it. Nothing really happens. They just uh, great seeing you, and then they go about their separate ways. Um, but the stakes are very high because it's very personal to them, and then very honestly, I think relatable to the viewers of those shows. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's so many of these so-called hangout movies, which Lost in Translation sort of is this. As you said, there's no real story to it other than these people spend some time, but so many of them are ultimately very gripping and feel like they have stakes because it does feel like we are watching actual human experiences that we can maybe connect to. Um, we're low on time, so I'm just going to run through these very quickly. But I wrote down some ideas of where and how honesty can go wrong. Um, one, I think you brought up this idea of remembering there's an audience. And I think honesty can go wrong when it becomes more about you than about the audience. And that can be fine for art you're making for yourself. Art can be therapeutic. Um, but if it's art you're making for an outside audience, you have to remember that they exist. Um, it's not enough to have them watch you go through therapy unless you find a reason it can be interesting for them. There needs to be some hook. You need to remember there's another person or not. If there isn't, then maybe that art is just for you and you don't need to release it. Assuming that honest feelings are universal, we got back to this dishonesty of experience, that people have different life experiences based on their backgrounds, based on how they are perceived by the world, based on the, the history of their family. And so assuming that your character will feel the same as you in a situation, even if they are different from you, erases that difference. Um, you have to think through the honesty of experience and not just get caught up in like, how would I feel in this moment? And then the last one is related to that, which is getting caught up in writing only what you know. You know, if you're like, well, I need to write for my honest experience. Um, so I'm, you know, there was this period in like the late 90s, early 2000s, where there was so many writers who were like dudes who were professors at 
small liberal arts colleges, and then there was just a thousand novels about dudes who were professor uh, English professors at at liberal arts colleges, and it's just. That isn't enough. It isn't enough to write what you know. The second half of this, and I know we've said this on like Night Vale or something, but the second half of that is no interesting things and if you don't learn them. So you have this kind of responsibility if you're going to write what you know to be learning new things and learning interesting things and learning about the experience of others so that you can know interesting things to write about. And making sure that, yeah, the people that you spend time with and, and around are people who reflect the world differently than your own experience, too. Uh, to use the uh, the traffic pullover example, um, it's just very important that you not have only white friends. I'm not saying I'm giving you a quota. What I'm telling you is, is that the world is much more interesting than the way you grew up. The way you grew up is also interesting, but there's so much more to that. Absolutely. So let's take a break, and then we will be back with our consume and our create assignment. Hello, Joseph here. I have two books coming out this year. Seriously, May 11th, 2021. The first 10 years, two sides of the same love story. So there is a love story that happened behind the scenes of Welcome to Night Vale between me and Meg Bashwinner, MC and tour manager for the live Night Vale show. In this memoir, we recount the first 10 years of our relationship year by year without consulting each other beforehand. It's a funny and romantic story about how differently we experience and remember our lives. Then on July 20th, 2021, The Halloween Moon, my first ever novel for ages 10 and up. Esther Gold loves Halloween, until the year that Halloween night just won't end. Even she doesn't want Halloween to last forever. No matter your age, if you are a fan of what I do, I think you're going to love this book. Get these books wherever you get your books. Hey, we're back. So uh, we're going to give you some assignments now. Uh, Let's start with something to consume. So your consume assignment for this episode is the podcast Moonface by James Kim. Uh, This is a podcast, a fiction podcast that came out this year. When I say this year, I mean 2019, which is when we're recording this. this So let's say last year. And this actually gets right back to what we were talking about, about honesty of uh, can create stakes. I, I can tell you that this is a very intimate, quiet story. Not a lot happens in terms of big story. There's no giant plot twist. There's no huge revelations and the world is not about to end. It's it's a story about a closeted gay man living with his uh, Korean mother who they only can share some language. He doesn't quite speak Korean and she doesn't quite speak English. Um, and he takes a podcast workshop and that is genuinely basically what happens in the entire series. And the stakes and and the the thing that draws you in is entirely that it feels incredibly honest. Everything about it feels like it's expressing a person's honest experience of the world. Um, the relationship between him and his mother, the relationship between him and his own sexuality, all just feel like honest expressions of something that happened to someone. I think it's a great example of how you can use, how even the smallest of stories can be gripping if there is an honesty behind them. And I think this also for a fiction podcast with, with dialogue and multiple characters, uh, I thought the direction and the acting in this show was stunning. Like I think it was one of the best examples of that in fiction podcasting this year. And I, I think just to pay attention while you're listening to it, to the way the acting um, makes you, f- at least for me, it made me feel part of the scene. Some of it is from the writing, the the, the environments in which it's structured. I, you feel very welcomed into it. And maybe there's that's the intangible quality of good acting. Um, but also some of it might be, uh, it's it's it felt structured in a way that includes the listener. 
so yeah, so listen for that. There's there's ways in which uh, the acting brings you in and that, that level of honesty too. The uh, create assignment that you have this time around is I want you to take a moment in your life in which you remember exactly how you felt. And think through all the details of your feelings from that moment in your life. How did the feelings start? How did they develop? What happened to those feelings? Tell that story, except change every other factual detail. Create now a fictional story about someone who is not you doing something that you weren't doing. But remember all of those feelings. Uh, you could be, your main character could be a member of a biker gang in the 50s or an alien in some distant future world. But keep the honest details of your feelings there. See how the honesty of your feelings affects the otherwise fictional story. For this one, I mean, it definitely does get a little bit into that idea of honesty of experience that you can't assume the feelings would be the same. Um, so I would recommend choosing maybe something a little bit ridiculous, like an alien on a distant planet or a superhero trying to save someone. Something where the difference in experience is less important. And it's more important just imbuing this seemingly non-realistic situation with your honest feelings in that moment. Great. Thank you guys so much for joining us uh, for this episode. And we can't wait to see what you write from these assignments. Uh, please go on to our membership board. Uh, please join our membership community and share your, uh, share your stories and your thoughts with us. Well, that's all for this episode. But your assignment is just beginning. Head on over to startwiththispodcast.com to join our membership community. Becoming a member allows you to share your assignments with other listeners, talk about what's sparking your creativity, and find future collaborators. Plus, you will be able to ask follow-up questions about this and future episodes and gain exclusive access to episodes where we answer those questions. Membership is just $5. That's how much it costs to make about $3.50 worth of pennies. I know. I don't know why we're still making pennies either. We can't wait to see what you are working on. Start With This is a production of Nightville Presents. Editing by Grant Stewart. Mixing by Vincent Cascione. Theme is written by Joseph Fink. All other music is by Caged Animals. Find out more at cagedanimals.net. Check out nightvalepresents.com for more information about this show and all of our other shows. Thank you for listening. Uh, so let's finish this off with, um, this is a little different. It's just a, a famous presidential nickname. Mm -hmm. Reminded me when I was thinking of honesty was uh, the nickname for Abraham Lincoln. Oh yeah. He Which, was, he was, he was known, known as, as um, um, big bike Abraham. tire. <laughs> big bike tire was also what I was going to say. So <laughs> let's end it there. Hi, I'm Jeffrey Craner, and I wanted to tell you about one of my other podcasts, Random Number Generator Horror Podcast Number 9. So the thing is, my friend Cecil Baldwin, the voice of Night Vale, loves horror movies, and he's helping make the genre more approachable for me, and hopefully for you too, one film at a time, in a random order. Are you squeamish about horror movies? Look, I get it, and no worries. Just listen in, and we'll tell you everything that happens. But do you love horror movies? Well, that's great too. Watch along with us each week. We've got nearly 200 episodes covering everything from The Shining to Leprechaun 4 in Space. I'm serious. We go in a random order. So check out Random Horror 9 wherever you get podcasts. From P. <laughs>